You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Welcome. I'm Chris Scott, host of Meeting Pod and contributing editor at Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines. Today's episode will focus on the state of addressing food safety issues in the face of outbreaks of foodborne illnesses regardless of origin. Our esteemed guest today is quite familiar with food safety issues after serving as Undersecretary of Agriculture in Food Safety at USDA between 2019 and 2021. Dr. Mindy Brashears currently is a professor of food safety and public health and director of the International Center for Food Industry Excellence at Texas Tech University. She also serves as the Roth and Lech Family Endowed Chair in Food Safety and Director of the International Center for Food Industry Excellence at Texas Tech. Thanks for spending some time with us to discuss food safety, Mindy. Chris, it's wonderful to be back with you, and I'm excited for the opportunity. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. It's great to have you with us today. Now, the last time you were a guest on Meeting Pod, the focus was on your transition from public service to returning to teaching and conducting research at your alma mater. Can you catch us up on the types of responsibilities and research projects that you're managing these days? Sure, I'd be happy to. Really, the focus for me is salmonella, and that is very uh, reasonable, I would think, given the current state of salmonella in poultry and pork and even in beef. If you look at our outbreaks, that's really been a concern lately in the industry. And I have several graduate students and they're working on projects from the very molecular to the very applied. We are developing methodologies for enumeration of salmonella, doing a lot of biomapping in plants. We really use any kind of plant, beef, pork, poultry as our lab, and we collect samples there. And then we get our isolates and determine the pathogenicity of those isolates and also the antibiotic resistance. Another thing that I'm really involved with now at the university is utilizing our data and our research to inform policy. So I have been working with federal affairs and with government relationships at the university, and I get to interact with members of Congress, the Senate and House Act Committee, and I really have a concern of getting data out there to inform policy, and that's really something I'm very passionate about. And that connection that you built from your days in Washington, I'm sure, have helped disseminate some of that information and data that you're collecting. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it just gave me such a perspective of the importance of data in science and policy. Sometimes we have policies that are proposed that make no sense whatsoever. And so much time is spent on working them out and going through the whole process to establish a new regulation that's not going to make a difference at the end of the day. We have to have that data in order to have a good foundation to actually have an impact on the consumer and on the industry. Absolutely. Now, considering the importance of food safety stretching from the farm to the plant to the retailer to the home and food service kitchen, what have you or your researchers determined to be the weakest link in that chain when it comes to reaching food safety goals? Well, I want to say that every segment does 
something to improve food safety. But there's also improvements we can make at each segment. I'm going to start at the farm. I would love to have pre-harvest mitigation strategies that could reduce our pathogen loads better before we get to harvest, and that reduces the risk. I don't think we're ever going to eliminate it at pre-harvest, but something where we could reduce it. We also need good sampling methods, good methodology and testing to be able to find those pathogens in the pre-harvest setting. That's coming along. We're improving. In the plant, I have been able to watch this industry change from when I started my career a few years ago, just a few years ago, (laughs) whenever HACCP was first implemented and FSIS moved to a HACCP-based inspection system. And I have seen the industry specifically starting in the slaughter, moving into fabrication and then into further processing, watch them change dramatically from no intervention use to very strict guidelines for using interventions to testing and really taking the responsibility of ensuring food safety to the consumer. Which brings me to the third segment, which is the consumer. When I was at USDA, we had the meat and poultry hotline and we funded research on consumer food safety at NC State University. Just this morning, I saw a report come out that even after COVID and even after all the things that have happened, consumers still aren't washing their hands. Very few use a meat thermometer. There are still large amounts of cross-contamination. So, At the end of the day, our consumers really are a weak link in this entire food processing chain. They're not taught how to properly handle the food when they get it. Does everyone play a responsibility? Yes, but consumers must handle it properly in order to keep their family safe. Yeah, I saw that report this morning as well, and it was interesting that this is a five-year project, and this data that was released this morning stems from the most recent year of surveys. And it is astonishing in the wake of COVID that people are not washing their hands, especially when it comes to dealing with food. I guess it's not a surprise when you do what you're used to in the kitchen. Well, I guess so. But I really thought that this data would change. You know, we knew there was a problem with hand washing. And I thought, well, Next time we do this study and observe hand washing, it's going to be so much better. I'm a little bit disappointed that it's not. No kidding. So now you've mentioned that it takes a different mindset when considering food safety from a regulatory perspective versus any approaches from the research effort. What have you found to be the most significant shift that you've needed to address in your current positions at Texas Tech? That is a great question. Really, It comes down to the heart of the matter, which is communication. You know, previously, I didn't really think much about communicating my data to government officials, to FSIS or FDA, if it applied to FDA, Mm -hmm. or to the House Senate and House Ag Committees. You know, I didn't realize that there was a big gap in what was going on at the university and in what was actually utilized at the government level. A lot of the things that go on at the university may or may not be applicable to the industry or to policy. So that has really changed my mindset and how I design projects with the outcome in mind, knowing where it might fit into a particular priority area for FSIS. 
Have you found that the communication requirements are different for, say, a congressional committee versus another research team at another school? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm trying to teach my students this. We had some members of the Senate and House Ag Committee here, some not members, some staffers here last week for our Ag Week at Texas Tech University. And students, graduate students, got to give posters. I said, they don't care about the type of methodology you used and all the p- details of PCR and right. microbiological media. They want the outcome. They want to know what is the importance of this, what are the implications, and how is it going to help me as a government leader make a decision that will impact my constituents? And of course, where is this going down the road? Absolutely, yes. And are we getting better? Right, exactly. Well, on that note, let's turn toward this next generation of food safety researchers and agriculture students. Have you been able to identify differences in these students compared with the goals, efforts, or focus that you noted when you were in their shoes? Well, that's been a few years ago, and I really hope so. But it also comes down to the training. You know, as a grad student, I was focused on doing my research, writing my thesis, publishing it, and getting a job. Mm -hmm. And now, from my perspective, I think it is critical that my students understand policy, they understand the industry, they understand the consumer, all aspects of agriculture. And I am very dedicated to ensuring that they have the experiences to understand that. I always tell new grad students, or if a grad student comes looking for a program, I say, you can get the same amount of knowledge in any program across the nation. But at Texas Tech, you're going to get the experience. You're going to learn about policy. You're going to be in a plant. You're going to collect data there. And because of that, I think that we prepare students that are ready to hit the ground running when they get their jobs. And that, of course, helps the entire industry move forward all at once versus in pieces. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very important that they have that foundation and the appreciation of how they applied what they learned to the job that they're going to have in the industry. Right. Now, over the course of your career and your previous job at USDA, you've been able to expand the reach of your research experiences to help other nations take a closer look at their own food safety and food security issues. Is that effort still a part of your current focus now that you're immersed in academia? Yes, absolutely. We still have a very strong internship program with Zamorano University and many other international universities for that matter. We bring students here to have internships and then also many of them come back and finish a master's degree or a PhD. And then some of them go back to their country, some of them stay, but that really increases the intellectual capacity of their country so they can go and teach others. We also have several training programs. We have pork school, the poultry school, and the meat school. And those are in Espanol. I do not speak Spanish, but we have many faculty members who do that. We've been to Brazil, Ecuador, Dominican Republic. 
we're about to go to the Bahamas and do some work there. So it's still a very strong part of what we do at Texas Tech and the International Center for Food Industry Excellence. Right. And that's important now that uh, we're in a global economy, not only for just uh, meat, but also everything else to a degree. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Let's take a quick break here for a word from our sponsor for this episode, Asid. Today's podcast is brought to you by Asid. Get back to basics without compromising quality. Introducing the Asid 500LI Tuck and Fold Tray Overwrap Packaging Machine, designed for protein processors who value reliability. The 500LI is perfect for packaging up to 60 packs per minute. Experience the efficiency and precision you've come to know and love. Discover how the Osset 500LI can bring simplicity and efficiency to your business. Visit our website or contact us for more information about the Osset 500LI. Now back to the podcast. And we're back. Let's shift our discussion to where food safety issues and concerns are heading from your perspective. You recently co-authored an opinion piece that suggested that the time is approaching for the eventual establishment of a unified single food agency strategy, in addition to considering the creation of a single U.S. food safety agency. You noted that other political leaders have promoted or proposed such a structure since 1949, but repeated efforts so far have not resulted in significant change. Why do you think this has been the case, and what do you think might break the food inspection system logjam to consider these proposals? Well, you've heard the term, it takes an act of Congress to get something done. Well, that's what we're looking at. Yes. So, you know, so that's one of the reasons, not that Congress doesn't do their job. It just takes a long time. Now, I want to back up and put some context with this. First of all, I want to mention that I think that FSIS is amazing and the employees there are wonderful and they do their job very well. Absolutely. And that is not what motivated me to take no, this stance. No, never in question. Yeah, but it's a communication issue. Whenever you're separated, I think that the consumer, and I learned this when I was in the government, they think about the government as one whole entity. Mm-hmm. But when you think about FSIS and FDA, we're in two completely different departments and have different bosses. We are in two different locations. We cannot have those conversations that need to be had immediately during an outbreak. Now, did my phone ring all the time and I pick it up whenever it's Frankie honest? Yes. Did we talk? Yes. Was there a mandate for us to communicate that way? No, there was not. And it's fortunate because we knew each other, you know, professionally for many years. And so we had a good relationship in that communication chain. Also, you have to put CDC in there when you consider the outbreaks and the investigation. They're all the way in Atlanta. So, you know, it's about communicating and, and addressing the issues. So that's one part of it. I think really where this is magnified is in a dual jurisdiction establishment. So if we had an establishment that packaged Caesar salad, that was FDA. But if they added chicken to that, it became USDA. So these processors had to have a set of documents, HACCP records for FSIS, and then they had to have a completely different set, different format for FDA. That is not good for the industry, 
and its duplication of efforts from both FDA and USDA. That's one example. But moving to a risk-based inspection where foods that have a higher risk get more inspection, lower risk, less, would really be a science-based and data-driven system. So once again, the data can cement justification for the need of changing the way things are, even though FDA and USDA are doing the best jobs they can when it comes to food safety measures. You also noted that uh, no other developed nation operates in what your opinion piece calls such a divided system. I'm wondering if communication is part of an issue currently, and I don't know about how you've noted building blocks, for example. If one side has 10 steps to go through, that would be the processor, or 10 forms to fill out, that opens the door for more mistakes to potentially be made, right? Absolutely, yes. It's really, like I said, it's a process in communication, understanding who wants what. If you're having to satisfy the needs of both FDA and USDA, it's very confusing when you get in that space. Now, there were many efforts being made to really unify that. But if we had one agency, then it would be much easier to operate under one system as opposed to trying to meet the needs of two systems. Sure. And since you all know each other anyway, it (laughs) wouldn't be that difficult to jumpstart it and get it moving. Right. And, you know, whenever I say it takes an act of Congress, this would take a lot. It would have to get through Congress. There would have to be a decision made to, you know, take FDA, move it to USDA, or even establish their own entity, which has been proposed by some. Now, I think it makes sense in USDA, APHIS is covered there. You think about trade, they have all the commodities there. But when it comes to food safety, it's split. So that doesn't make any sense to me in my mind. Well, it it sounds like a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Finally, now, you were interviewed in a recent streaming documentary on food safety and incidents of foodborne illnesses that in some cases resulted in consumer deaths. That film cited bagged lettuce as the top threat to U.S. consumers in terms of food safety because of current oversight approaches. Where would you place meat and poultry from U.S. protein processors in a ranking of successful food safety practices these days? Well, as I previously mentioned, I've had the opportunity to watch this industry change over the last 25 years. I rank them very high. I have been in over a hundred meat and poultry processing plants. That's just when I was at USDA. In the US, I have been in processing plants around the world. And I can still confidently say that we have the safest food supply in the world. We have an industry that is committed to food safety. I see it with my own eyes every day. I know the data that they generate. I know their commitment to research to make their products better. And I have full confidence in our industry in terms of food safety and making sure that they do everything they can do to protect public health and to prevent illnesses. And that, of course, is the biggest challenge of all. Thanks so much for sharing your insights on food safety and the education of the next generation of food researchers, Mindy. And per usual, thanks to our listeners for tuning in this week. That's a wrap. Until next time. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meet magazines on social media, and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeet.net. Thank you.